Is it working? All right, sorry about that, guys. Um, we'll start from the beginning again. Um, welcome to our third uh, Facebook Live. And I'd like to talk about ADHD from a child's point of view. I'd like to talk about what it's like to get inside the mind of a child and go through the emotional roller coaster, what it's like to experience from the time they wake up in the morning to the time they go to sleep. ADHD affects children in completely different ways. It is something that impacts children in different ways because ADHD comes in different guises. It comes in different packages. And just to remind you is that ADHD has there are three basic types. And of course, depending on what type of ADHD children have, it's going to affect them in different ways. ADHD is a spectrum. And when you hear the word ADHD, attention deficit, hyperactivity, a little bit of busyness, a little bit of inattention. And, you know, how, how does that really affect children? You know, it doesn't sound serious. But my goodness, it has a huge impact on children's lives. It has an enormous impact beyond just a little bit of busyness. It impacts not only the individual, but it impacts children. It impacts their families, siblings. Children with ADHD require a lot more energy, a lot more supervision, and sometimes to exclusion of their siblings. It also impacts other members of the family, and of course their friends, relatives, and then of course their friends at school. Not only their friends at school, but the teaching experience. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to go through and help us understand what really is ADHD. Because the real perception is this is just a school problem. It doesn't interfere. It doesn't impact anybody beyond the school environment. It doesn't affect anybody at home. And as a result, unfortunately, treatment, interventions, medication is not used outside of school. So think about the different types. If a child is very impulsive and busy, they have an emotional impulsivity about them. They're busy, they're frenetic, they're in your face that is going to impact parents at home. And they're the ones that are going to understand what it's like. They're going to understand the need to have treatment, behavior options, and strategies to help children. And those are the kids that often need a lot more help. And parents understand the hyperactive, impulsive children. But those daydreamy, inattentive children they're the ones that go unnoticed. They're the ones that slip under the radar, slip through the net, because they don't cause dysfunction. They don't interfere. They're not in your face. They don't necessarily cause disruption. They don't have necessarily behavior problems. But they're the ones that are frustrating for parents. You've got to almost panel beat them in the morning. You've got to get them out of bed. They're frustrating. You've got to push them. You've got to organize them to get going. And those are the ones you've got to push from behind. 
And then, of course, you've got the combination in the middle. Those are children that have a bit of both. So let's think about what it's like right from the time a child wakes up. And think about from the time a child opens their eyes. Children have fundamentally a problem with sleep. ADHD is interwoven. It is part of the fabric of ADHD. Children with ADHD have problem with a sense of time. They don't have a sense of foresight, hindsight. They don't have a sense. Their time horizon is almost in front of their nose. So they don't have a sense of time. And as a result, the days and nights blur. And part of the problem of getting up in the morning is because they had difficulty falling asleep the previous night. And as a result of falling asleep late, they're going to have problems in the morning getting up. Children sometimes have very little need for sleep. But those kids getting going in the morning need to be stirred. You've got to almost throw them out of bed. You've got to get them going. You've got to kind of almost stoke them to get them going with their energies. And the other thing that I see in the morning is just the organization. The whole process of getting a child out of bed, getting them organized, putting them in a car and delivering them at school. That is an enormous problem. And, you know, when they wake up, they're almost like in a twilight zone. Their brains haven't activated. They haven't got their dopamine systems going, that motivation system. They're still functioning in a very... Um, they've, they, 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 they're functioning in a demotivated state. And... I mean, you know, it's sometimes almost absurd and ridiculous some of the lengths that sometimes parents have to go to. I've had parents that have had it, had found it's almost impossible to get their child organized and getting going in the morning. To such a degree that they've actually put their child's school clothes on the night before. They've dressed them in their school uniform rather than their pajamas because they know what a nightmare it's going to be in the morning. That is the extent to which things are difficult. And you know, when I talk to parents and challenge them on this and say, well, do you really think that that is something that is kind of normal or is this something a bit unusual? And the father actually said to me, yes, he doesn't think there's a problem because when I was a kid, that's what my parents used to do. They couldn't get me going in the morning. So they put my school uniform on. It just shows that this follows in families. It is a problem that it is a problem that runs in families and is genetic. So as you can see, it affects different parents. And just think, you know, if your child has difficulty getting up in the morning, there's a good chance that one or both the parents have ADHD and some inattention organizational traits. They've got hassle with their own organization. So trying to get one person organized by somebody who's not that organized, the combination, and there's a chance to butt heads, there's going to be issues. You know, getting a child to get out of bed, get themselves dressed, find their clothes, 
parents are often to have to, having to get themselves ready, come back, check, recheck. Children then have to find themselves to the bathroom. They've got to wash their hands. They've got to have a bit of a wash up. They've got to leave the bathroom in some sort of state that's clean for the rest of the family to use. They've got to be able to get out of the bathroom so someone else can get in there and use it. And then, of course, they've also got to kind of have breakfast. So parents are saying, you know, Johnny, you know, have you brushed your teeth? Have come and eat breakfast. Stop watching TV. You know, get dressed. You go back in. There's one sock on, one sock off. Those are children that have really no concept of time. This is what it is like for a child from the moment they wake, wake up and open their eyes. They've got people bombarding them, giving them instructions. And you know, if the morning doesn't go well, the whole day doesn't go well. Your whole biorhythms, your whole emotional state has been thrown out of sync. And to have difficulty in the morning. So having a strategy in the morning is really important. So getting yourself organized the night before, making sure a child goes to sleep properly, has good sleep hygiene, and has good nutrition the night before, not waking up in the morning uh, necessarily hungry and uh, needing to eat before they get dressed and kind of mismatch of routine. A child has then got to get all their books together, all their kind of... Um, school equipment, their sports equipment. And you know, that doesn't happen. They forget things at school. They might complete homework projects, but it's not put in the bag. They don't even hand it in half the time. So the morning seems to be a real pressure cooker and a pressure point. And it's worthwhile trying to get that sorted. I'm busy at the moment working on a program and a course for parents that is going to be really helpful and really useful with good techniques, well-researched techniques on how to sort your kid out in the morning, how to get them organized. And that course will be posted on our guidelittleminds.com site in due course. So I'm going to give an outline of what I feel are the essentials of being, help, being able to help your child with their whole daily routine. Now, if a child is on medication, I say to parents, particularly if it's a long-acting medicine, it takes about an hour to work. Give your child that tablet before their feet are out of the bed, before those feet have touched the ground. Give that tablet. It's in the system. It's working. That dopamine is being transferred to the front of the brain. There's a little bit more organization. There's a lot more energy. Your child is more likely to get going, more energized. You know, and you're not going to have those issues. They're going to be thinking about what they're going to do. They're going to take the instructions, keep it in their minds. They're not going to be forgetful. They're going to be able to have a really good experience in the morning without having to get to school and be kind of almost have got, having gone a few rounds in parents, almost like a sort of exchanging sort of... Um, punches before they even get to school. How about when children get to school? Um, you know, um, once children get to school, you know, they've got to adjust. They have difficulty with transitions, you know, adjusting, sitting down. Some children have got like a lot of sensory problems. 
They have problems with loud noises, with uh, smells, different uh, movement. And that's quite distracting. It's like going to a football stadium where they're hearing lots of vuvuzelas and it's like being in a traffic jam all the time. Everything seems so loud. It's like being in a train station. And you've got to understand that these children are meant to be learning at school. They've got to go to school and feel happy sitting at a desk with their friends and being able to absorb. You know, early in the morning, kids have got lots of energy. That's the time for teachers to really uh, get the essential lessons in place, the things that require the priority. And that is when they're probably more energized and more likely to be able to do work. So they're going to get to school and also things are a bit different. You know, they, things are a bit new, they're fresh. So the mornings don't go so bad. They're not too bad. And, you know, teachers don't necessarily uh, complain of too many problems in the morning. But if a child's hyperactive, busy, they're unleashed. They have that need, that impulsive need to share their stories after a weekend, blurt out, interrupt. They full on. They don't give other kids a chance in the class. They're constantly talking. The teacher's constantly needing to have a go at them, having to ask them to calm down, help asking them to put their hand up rather than just blurt out answers. So the morning is also not without its uh, problems. Children that are more the inattentive type, the sort of daydreamy kids, those are the children that sit there in the background. They don't disturb. But it's difficult to know whether they're really there, you know. Are they engaged? Or they might be the ones that are actually uh, early on engaged before they start to daydream and be distracted. So how about a little bit later on? Once a child's been at school a couple of hours, then, you know, the monotony, the boredom of the day sets in. Children with ADHD are programmed for novelty, for newness. They need something on the go. They need things that are changing. No matter how exciting it is to begin with, by just sitting. After a while, the most exciting, the most engaging teacher, the most exciting or the most engaging kind of um, school activity seems a bit boring. Everything's boring. Today, you know, I heard a parent say, well, you know, I think my child actually uh, has difficulty at school because they're just so intelligent. They're just so bright, they find everything boring. But, you know, when you dig deeper and you get feedback from the teacher, that child's not doing that well. You know, boredom and difficulty at school is not because you're just too intelligent or the work is just too boring. Parents often say, well, I know my child... You know, they're smart, they're really intelligent. I'm sure that part of the problem is it's just because the schools are not making it interesting enough. But remember, what that teacher's doing is she or he is comparing your child to other kids. Your child standing out is different, is not engaging. There are lots of other smart kids in the class. But your child is not finding things boring because the work's boring. Or, you know, the environment is the problem. Unfortunately, with ADHD, anything that's there for a while, children's radar just switches off. They start to daydream. 
you know, in a classroom, they can't necessarily jump up, move around. Some of them do. I mean, I, I heard a couple of days ago, a child, they are rocking on their chairs. They fall off their chairs. They, they've dropped their pencils. They want to go out to the toilet just to get a little bit of a break. The disruption. A teacher ends up spending, you know, a large proportion of the time just taking care of one child. And that impacts the education of everybody else. You know, a child can sit right next to the teacher, but they still find ways of um, uh, feeling disrupted and bored. You see, it's not really the child that's the problem. You know, you've got to think of ADHD as a form of disability. Just think of a child in class trying to look at the board. And after a while, the teacher realizes the child actually can't see. And the child has an eye test and finds that they're nearsighted. They can't see far distances. And they then get glasses and they put these glasses on and they can suddenly see. That child, their vision suddenly, they can see more clearly. ADHD is a problem of not thinking clearly. They don't have that ability to control. They don't have that ability to control their frustrations, control the emotional state, so they can motivate themselves to do things. That is why the treatment of ADHD is like giving somebody glasses, literally to think clearly, to be able to engage, to be able to act like those other kids, being able to use their abilities that they've got. ADHD is not a problem of intelligence. It's a doing problem. And it really gets unmasked in class. Kids have problems also with learning problems. Kids with ADHD are more likely. At least one third will have a learning problem, language problem. So when there are already concentration problems in a class, there are also going to be additional problems with that learning problem. If you think of a child who then has constantly, is asked to calm down, asked to keep still, is constantly, even by their friends, they have negative reactions from their friends. Because these friends feel um, that their learning experience not being is, 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 is effective. And a child then becomes frustrated, becomes angry, because the whole world is against them. You know, ADHD is a self-control problem and it really gets unmasked in class, particularly those children who are the impulsive and the busy kids because they get told the most to calm down to. They have the biggest problem sitting. They're moving. They can't help but just jiggle and move. They actually feel good when they move. You've heard of kinetic learners, kids that have got to move a little bit. I read a very interesting um, article on the Swedish education system where every 25 minutes the children stand up, they move around, they actually go for a little walk outside, they come back in, they move, they're able to activate their bodies. And that helps release dopamine, the self-control neurotransmitter, gives them little dopamine hits, that novelty changing then they can refocus themselves. So, you know, 
just sitting. Children have low muscle tone problems. They have difficulty just sitting up in a chair. Some kids also with low muscle tone have difficulty sitting for long periods of time. Just think the average child sits in a classroom longer than most adults sit at a desk. At least you can jump up and move around, you know. And let's face it, school chairs are not the most um, comfortable of, of chairs. Then, of course, you know, being able to stay on task. I like to think about ADHD and problems at school and inattention and concentrating. Those children, no matter how smart they are, how intelligent they are, if they're not concentrating and their mind has been taken away from their work, they're probably arriving, their bodies arrive there five days a week, but their brains don't. They're probably missing at least effectively two days a week. Their brains are not there. And you know, if you miss 40% of your schooling after six months to a year, you're not going to do that great. You're going to have huge problems. You're really going to have difficulty. And that is going to now look like a learning problem when initially it was a concentration problem. So children that are often disciplined a lot at school have a lot of negative comments. They're con constantly needing to be redirected. They're constantly having to visit the principal's office. Those children, it damages their self-esteem. Constant negative input, coming, taking incoming fire all the time. Not receiving necessarily those positive feedbacks. Then, you know, if we get into the afternoon, um, children with ADHD, of course, they've had a long day, and they then have, have to go into the mode of coming home from school. And then, of course, having to sit down, do homework, do activities, sports and exercise is amazing. It is a superpower. It helps release dopamine. It helps engagement. It helps kids interact. They say sports field is the corporate training ground of life. You've got to learn how to deal with different people. And kids with ADHD have difficulty getting on with their friends. And, you know, because they don't engage, they don't listen, they don't share. All they want is what they want. It's one-way traffic. They have difficulty engaging and keeping friends. And as a result, by the third grade, Children with ADHD have generally been pushed away and rejected by their peers. 80% of them have. So they then start to act up. They start to develop compensation behaviors. They're often the class clown because they're not able to connect with other kids and be liked. So they've got to find other ways to be liked. And that is just one of the ways they do that. They disturb they can be disruptive just to attract attention because they're unable to connect properly with their friends. So exercise can really be an important part of the treatment. Then, of course, there is homework. And fortunately, I think there's a, a shift away from intensive homework. The research shows that homework in the junior school doesn't really change the outcome of a child's education. So... I always focus on, particularly in junior school, for any child with ADHD, 
is focusing on the school experience to optimize that, to have a system in place, a teacher that is able to have a an additional input assisting a kid who needs a bit more explanation, who gets overwhelmed by big concepts, by breaking them up into little parts, being able to analyze, being able to take a big problem, divide it up and make it look like lots of little problems. You know, being able to give a child a little bit extra time to complete tasks. Children that have problems with their handwriting and um, coordination, you know, not necessarily being as critical. Because a child who has ADHD, it's a disability. It is something that they don't really set out in the morning to annoy and be difficult and produce the worst work at school. They're trying their best. You know, if a child had a hearing problem, I think everybody would understand that. They would be empathetic. They'd understand that's a hearing deficit. And they'd make accommodations. But only too often, if a child with ADHD can suddenly do something once, it's assumed that they're lazy, they're difficult. Sometimes parents are blamed because they're not disciplining their child properly. Or at home, often teachers feel that the teachers should be sorting these problems out. When in fact... If this was a hearing problem, no one would have an argument. Everybody would understand that. But ADHD is no different. You just can't see it. It has huge impact. It is, has huge long-term impact, not just on a daily basis. So homework, there are lots of little techniques. You might have heard of the Pomodoro technique. That ability to... In fact, what Pomodoro does... It breaks up things into little packages. It almost helps stimulate the dopamine in your brain by getting a child to sit down, do some work, almost engagement, being able to then have a bit of a break, go back and do a little bit more work. It You can almost build in a kind of almost a competitive edge to that. Now, how many sums can we do? How many words or how many pages can we read? before we can take a bit of a break. So the more engagement, if a child has more one-to-one, they've got somebody motivating them, they've got somebody coaching them, they've got somebody egging them on, they generally don't have a problem. But you know, children can't have a personal coach. They can't have their mum or dad sit next to them in class from whatever grade they're in until they're matric and even beyond. You know, I was talking today to some parents who, uh, one of my patients matriculated last year, and I'm pleased to say very successfully. Um, And they're on uh, the next step and the next journey of their life is uh, university. And they also need structure and help. It doesn't end then, you know. That front part of the brain is only going to start maturing at age 25. So any intellectual or education that a child needs, even beyond school, can also impact them. And they need help. So homework, you know, having a child uh, with maybe a little bit of... uh, Some children work well with a bit of background music. You know, some children, it almost like elevates the mood a little bit especially if it's um, no, where there's no lyrics. It just helps that mood, elevates your dopamine levels. 
having a child having a little bit of a snack when they get home. It's also been shown that if they have a little bit of a something sweet to drink, not like huge gulps of oros and sugar, but little sips, it almost stimulates the brain. It kind of reactivates your dopamine system, adds a bit more motivation. And getting a child to go outside, come back in after the five minutes that a break with the Pomodoro. So Pomodoro is quite a useful thing. It's a timer. It's got a rather annoying alarm and you um, you set it for the time period that you want, generally about 20 minutes and then a break of five minutes and 20 minutes and a five minute break, obviously depending on the age of the child. And that it adds a little bit of stimulation. It adds engagement. And that's what children need. They need that engagement, that visual engagement, that audio engagement. And it stimulates their brain to motivate them. Then, of course, there are children that are very inattentive. You don't know that they are actually um, even concentrating. And that can be a real problem. Um, so, um, you know, they you want to make sure that they're doing their homework where you can supervise, watch them. You know, otherwise they see, they, they'll tend to get onto social media, daydream, do things that, you know, that they're maybe not supposed to be doing. Having a child who is close by, they call it the um, you know study buddy technique. So, I mean, today I was talking to parents who are working from home, and it's quite interesting, they were helping each other. You know, the mum was sitting at the a table, she'd carved herself out a home office um, from the spillover from uh, the, 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 the COVID isolation period, and she was working and your daughter could sit down and also work. And they were there, but they didn't talk, but they were sort of there. They knew that each other was there. They were like study buddies. It engages. You've got someone there. You know that you can't just jump up and move around. So that's quite a, that's quite a useful thing to do. Some, some kids actually find that their a pet sitting next to them is like a, a surrogate or sort of a substitute study buddy. That can also be quite useful. And... Um, Children need small wins. You know, if you think of any big task that you're doing and you just start and you just have no end in sight, you become demotivated. You can often give up. But break things into small little areas, small things. Once you've done that, you know, you feel a little bit more motivated. You feel like it's a bit of a win. And that stimulates your dopamine system. So what you need is lots of little wins and that it leads to more motivation. Getting some positive feedback, whether it's from parents or teachers, makes a big, big difference. You know, as the evening and the afternoon uh, progresses, that's when there's sort of like this sort of evening. It is really literally the worst time of the day for anybody with ADHD and particularly parents and families. Parents are getting back from work, they're tired, they're exhausted. They've got, they've, you know, exhausted their energy levels. And of course, kids, at the end of the day, they've tried lots of things, they've been busy. That is when it's almost like crazy hour. Kids do stupid things. They're running around the house. They injure themselves. Often we see children coming into casualty with broken bones, accidents, climbing on their bicycles, going down hills, trying to not use the brakes. And that is the impact 
in the afternoon, it is that impulsivity and that risky behavior. Kids running around, they're sort of overtired. And that is a nasty time of the day. So to try and you know, anticipate these problems, have things in place that can be used, um, lots of afternoon activities, plan these things ahead. And this is part of the whole ADHD behavior or non-medication part of a course that I'm building out and will be on the website to help parents really think of ADHD through a different lens. Think about it through a child's eye. They're really not there to annoy you. They need guidance. They need one-on-one. -on -one. They need structure. If they have a system where they know what they've got to do. I mean, I heard the most amazing organization from a mum today. I actually said to her, she's probably worth about 50 milligrams of Ritalin all on her own. You know, having one member of the family that's so organized and helps and intervenes makes such an amazing difference. She's even got all her children on a WhatsApp group. And she set it to remind them when they've got to do things, what they've got to do. They've got Google Calendar reminders. They, I mean, it's amazing, you know, it really is. So there are ways that you can avoid those sort of suicide hours, as it were, in the afternoon. And then, of course, one of the biggest issues is technology. Technology is something that really is a big problem for children with ADHD. And I often get asked, why can a kid sit and watch TV, play a PlayStation, sit on an iPad, literally engage with a PlayStation, and when you try and stop them, it's like time to take a bone away from the dog. They growl, they vociferate, they give you comeback, and literally they want to bite you. They become aggressive. It is almost like a primal instinct. You see, parents think, well, why? that doesn't make sense. But you know, it makes perfect sense to me. You know, the ability to hyper-focus. Kids can hyper-focus with ADHD. Their lives are full of boredom. They're looking for something new. They're looking for that dopamine stimulation. And things that give them immediate feedback, immediate gratification, they lock onto. And that is what any television visual stimulation. It's like uh, an impala, the same reflex that an animal can use. There's an event, there's a reaction, and there's an outcome. It's sitting with a PlayStation, looking at a screen, moving the controller, seeing the reaction, and doing that. It's like a loop. They can keep doing it. It's like, it's almost as though it could be a drug addict trying to shoot crystal meth or cocaine. They're so addicted. They literally are so hyper-focused. They don't hear anything. They don't hear you. They don't see you. Literally, the universe could, could explode and they wouldn't know the difference. But you try and disengage them from that. That is so difficult because literally you're taking the energy level away. It's almost like trying to take a heroin syringe away from an addict. It is an addiction. And, you know, I said to um, 
some of the parents is that we've got to find ways to replace it. Imagine taking the cocaine away from an addict. What are you going to get? Withdrawal symptoms. You're going to get, you're going to get sort of the DTs. You're going to get withdrawal symptoms that are going to be severe. And you're going to have a child that is in a rage. And you're going to think, well, what is the problem? The child won't necessarily have a, a huge conduct or huge behavior problem. But we've got to try and replace it. Like if you're trying to wean somebody off, off um, heroin, what you've got to do is you've got to replace it with something. And taking children off technology, you've got to replace it with something else. Something that's engaging. It needs a lot of innovation. It needs a lot of um, lateral thinking, out-of-the-box thinking. But you've got to come up with that. You can't just take it away. You're going to have huge reactions if you do that. Just think of an addict. You know, uh, in early part of my training in the UK, um, I used to see uh, a lot more ad addictions to drugs in children. In South Africa, fortunately, we don't see that quite same addiction. But they were even, you know, the hospital I was working at in London, um, we used to have just protocols on how to deal with children with withdrawal, alcohol withdrawal, um, drug withdrawal. You know, um, we used to have, there's a, there's a substitute drug called methadone we even had to give kids to sort of wean them off. So, you know, just because it's technology is like a drug. You know, the other things that are addictive for ADHD kids is they're addicted to sugar. They sit and they snack while they are on their technology. It leads to obesity. They just flop and they sit in front of the TV you know, for a lot of parents who are just desperate to know what to do to how to help their kid, they find that trying to remove that just creates a huge amount of reaction. And sometimes for parents, they don't know what to do. Sometimes it's a convenience to put a device in front of a child just to occupy them because they don't know what else to do. We've got to find different ways of helping children not just flop in front of technology and consume lots of calories they don't need. That's also an addiction on its own. Eating, quick hits, sugar, you know, snacks, eating. So those are other areas that in the afternoon, parents often provide amazing meals for their kids and then can't understand why their kids keep gaining weight. They say, well, they exercise at school. They do afternoon sports. They're quite active outdoors. But... I give them all the right things to eat. They have a good breakfast. They have a good lunch, healthy lunch at school. Have a good supper. But they just keep gaining weight. The answer to the problem is often those in-between meals. When they come home from school, they sit and they eat and they snack. If they're outdoors, they're further away from the kitchen. So that's another strategy. You've got to keep kids active. You've got to replace those activities, not just switch the TV off, but give them alternatives activities to do outdoors sign them up for other activities like you know karate extra murals parent today said they signed their kid up for cubs which is part of scouts i thought that was an amazing um way to do that you know they're learning lots of ways to interact with other kids so you know i've given my perspective of what it's like to be a child with adhd and um what I would like to do is um, 
I would like to give you all an opportunity to maybe ask some questions and maybe uh, engage and, and ask some questions about um, what you uh, see, what you experience, and to give your own perspective as to what it's like for you as parents. What are those pressure points? What are those painful experiences at home? What are the tips that you can give other people? What um, ways do you help your child? Are there ways that you can, um, are there ways that you can uh, help overcome and help share with other parents? Do you have difficulty with those issues? So I'll be very keen for you to let me know and maybe what you can do is post some questions if you have. I'll be very pleased to answer some of the questions. So if you'd like to post some questions, we'd, uh, I'd be very happy to, um, uh, you know, uh, help you. Well, thank you every, to everybody for attending the webinar, and I think we've sort of run out of time, but thank you very much.